Well, we have a really special treat for you this Sunday. Um, about, I, I don't know, maybe seven to ten years ago, somewhere in that, seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, um, I uh, had the pleasure of meeting Jake and Anna Kale. Um, they are anointed ministers of God. They have a church out in Pennsylvania called Threshold Church. Um, Jake is a um, someone who has an anointing in a lot of different areas, but especially in deliverance. And uh, he uh, recently uh, was on uh, a, a TV show that's nationwide called Sid Ross, It's Supernatural. And uh, I had the pleasure of knowing him before then. But um, of course, he's, he's uh, someone who um, just travels around the nation, around the world, um, uh, bringing deliverance. Uh, and so um, I asked him, I said, Jake, would you come and speak at our church? Because in this transformation series, and I know I taught a lesson on it, uh, deliverance is, is a part of our transformation and is a part of people's lives being transformed. And, um, and so I, I would love for you to help me welcome Jake and Anna Kale uh, to, to the stage. We love you. We honor you guys. Love you, man. This place is yours, feel at home here, and I just can't wait to receive from what you guys have, okay? Awesome, thank you. Pastor Paul, love this guy, all the way from Pennsylvania. It's my wife, Anna. Um, so like, like Paul said, we live in Pennsylvania, we live in Lancaster, it's pronounced Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And um, been, yeah, I've been leading a church there called Threshold Church. We've done some stuff with Global Awakening, and that's how I actually met um, Paul and Ruth. And um, yeah, looking forward to what God, God wants to do today. Before I go into the, into the Word and into just our, our time today, my wife Anna is going to share. She's just got a word of encouragement over the last day or two that she really sensed the Lord uh, just putting on her heart for this church. So I'm just going to let her share that before we dive into the Word. All right, so y'all... I felt like Isaiah 55 verse one was just highlighted in blazing lights to me for you. And I'm just gonna read it to you um, to start. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And it's this concept of being thirsty. And I just, I got this um, impression that, you know, there are maybe many of us that, like we're open to what the Lord has to a point, but there's a part of us that's locked down that we're not even willing to allow the Lord to stir into hunger or thirst. Because being hungry and being thirsty is a very vulnerable thing. It's a very, very vulnerable place to find yourself. You know, and it puts you at risk for disappointment. It puts you at risk for, for being hurt or being um, not having your needs met. And I felt like there's a grace this morning for the Lord to stir a fresh hunger and thirst for you. And I just want to read um, Psalm 42, just to, to give you a picture of, of thirst, right? Like true thirst. It's as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so I, I really, I want to take a minute and invite you to join me in this place of asking the Lord to come in a deeper way and to stir hunger and expectation down deep at the core of your being. Like that place that you don't let many people in, that place maybe you don't go to very often, that you would be willing to take a step of greater trust in the Lord 
to, to allow him to come into that place and stir a hunger and a thirst that you would just be in this place of longing for him, maybe like you never have before and expecting him to meet you in that place like you have not maybe dared to expect before. And so would y'all just position yourself in a posture to receive and I'm just gonna pray. And I just had this picture of the Holy Spirit walking around the room and literally like reaching into the core of our being and like stirring the waters. And it's like stirring those waters to like bring Bring that thirst, bring that hunger. And so I just wanna invite you to set aside distraction, set aside the circumstances of life and really allow the Lord to come and meet you where you need him to. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now afresh. I thank you that you're already here, you're already moving. But I just ask you to walk around this room. Lord, we say that we trust you in those deep places. And we ask that you would stir afresh in us a hunger and a thirst. God, we have no money to bring. We have nothing to offer in exchange besides our trust and our submission to you. Lord, I pray for an impartation right now of faith. Father, faith to believe for things that have long been put aside and tucked away. Lord, I pray for faith for breakthrough. I pray for faith for healing. I pray for faith, God, for, for everything that you want to release by the power of the cross of Jesus today. God, we yield to you in deeper measure and say, have your way in Jesus' name. Just stay in that posture for another minute or so. Let's just continue to wait on the Lord. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to have his way. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you are already here among us, but I ask that you would manifest your presence in a greater way. Father, I come by the blood of Jesus right now into your presence, God. I ask your kingdom come. I thank you that the kingdom of God is at hand in this place. Jesus, I pray that you would walk through this place, and even as we sang earlier, you are the Lord of hosts. I ask you to send your armies of angels, God. I ask you to send your angels on assignment to minister. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself today as the deliverer. I thank you that you are the deliverer. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I pray, Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall, even as we're preaching, even as, Lord, we're, we're, we're looking at your word and, and speaking and teaching. I pray for the Spirit of God to fall upon us in a powerful way. God, I pray that the entrance of your word would bring light. Lord, that your truth would set free. God, that your anointing would break every yoke today. God, I thank you that you are healing broken hearts this morning. God, that you are setting captives free today, Father. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the deliverer. And so we look to you. We give you this time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome. Well, again, it's just great to be here. Thanks so much for welcoming, welcoming myself and uh, my wife, Anna, here. It's been great to connect with Paul and Ruth. And uh, we, we actually knew Josh and Trista from, you know, from years ago, from their time in, in Pennsylvania as well. And it's good to meet some of the other team members here. Just such, a, such an awesome place. And so I'm looking forward to what God wants to do. Um, if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. It's going to take me a couple minutes to get there because I'm going to share a little bit about myself and uh, my background and how God even kind of led me into this area of deliverance because it's my first time even being here. And I love that you're doing a series on transformation. I love it because God is a God who transforms. The gospel transforms us. 
The gospel does not just change our eternal address. The gospel changes our life. It does not just give us a ticket to heaven. It actually changes us. There's actually a renewal of who we are. I love how the Bible teaches that. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians, and the apostle Paul is talking to them, and he names a bunch of like sinful things. He talks about sexual immorality and drunkenness and greed and perversion. He names all these things, and he says, such were some of you. Such were. What is were? Were is past tense. Where is past? It says, such were some of you used to be doing all these things. You used to be bound by this kind of sin. You used to be caught up in this lifestyle or that sinful thing or this habit. Or, and he says, such were some of you, but you were redeemed. You were washed. You were sanctified. That's what God does. And that's, that's my story. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up and my parents got saved when I was young. I was about two years old and my parents came to know the Lord in a personal way. They had a salvation experience. And so I grew up going to church. I grew up hearing the gospel and I I always would have said, I'm a believer. I always would have said, yeah, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me, but I hadn't had that transformation yet. I hadn't had that genuine walk with God. And so I just kind of, you know, went through the motions and just, you know, had an intellectual understanding of why Jesus came. But I was basically just kind of going through life and I didn't have a real relationship with God. And then uh, in, in, in middle school, um, just got drawn into some of the typical worldly things. I got exposed to pornography and just really planted a seed of sexual immorality. And in high school, getting pulled into the party scene and drinking and drunkenness and just, just all the things that the world you know, puts in front of us. And, that's, and yet I was going to church and I said, I'm a believer. I never felt guilty or ashamed of it. I just felt like, oh, this is just what people do. And so then I went to college and... Um, uh, my, my freshman year, I actually went to Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. I was playing football on the football team and just went headlong into the party lifestyle, you know, getting drunk three, four times a week, party lifestyle, sexual sin, and then going to Bible study on Thursday nights. Going to Bible study Thursday nights, literally leaving Bible study, going out to a bar or a club and just getting drunk. Just, and, and living this double life but being so deceived that I didn't even realize I was living in sin. I was just deceived by the nature of sin, and I didn't really even feel guilty about it. I didn't feel convicted about it. I went through my whole freshman year like this, and then at the end of my freshman year, I was at this retreat with a campus ministry, and they had invited me to come to this, uh, this retreat, and it was like a four or five day uh, thing, and we're studying the book of Mark, actually, in this retreat, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict me. The Holy Spirit begins to open my eyes to the truth and to the reality and begin to convict me of sin, and I begin to wrestle and ask these questions and wonder, you know, is it okay well, how I'm living? Is this actually okay as a Christian? Am I really a Christian? I just kind of wrestle with all these things, and long story short, God brought me to a place of true repentance, of true surrender, after wrestling through, counting the cost, weighing it. That last night of the retreat, I remember talking to the guy, his name's Tim, and he, he was leading our group. I said, I need to talk to you. Can I share what's going on? I, I broke down weeping, weeping in repentance and confessing my sin to him and sharing all just the, all the junk I'd been living in and just all this stuff and just confessing and repenting and, and um, him leading me through just prayers of just to receive forgiveness. And I remember so clearly there was three powerful things that happened in this encounter with God. Number one, I already said, was this deep repentance, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And so I was having that experience. But at the same time, I was encountering the love of God. 
It was like the prodigal son, right? That moment he started turning, the moment he started going back to the father's house, the father was running towards him. That's what I experienced. Like God was saying, I've been waiting for you this whole time. I've just been waiting for you to turn to me. And I experienced this embrace of God, this love of God, just welling up inside of me and just weeping. But the third thing that I experienced was I was instantly set free from these bondages to sin. I was instantly set free from pornography. Literally, it was broken off of my life and it never became a problem ever again since that, that encounter with God. It was broken from my life. All the thoughts like that, all the perverse things, all the stuff that goes with it, my, my, my desire to drink and go part, it was literally broken. These chains were broken from my life in this encounter with God. Let me tell you, God is a God who transforms. He transforms. And so... I began to, be, um, you know, I, I left this retreat and, you know, my parents knew, man, what happened? This is, he's a different person, like something happened. And, and I became so hungry for the word of God. I decided I would read the whole Bible and I would do it in a year, you know, the one year plan kind of thing. And, you know, I'm home for the summer, but I couldn't stop reading. So I opened up the Genesis and I'm starting, and I'm just eating and feeding on devour. I couldn't stop reading. And so I literally read the Bible in three weeks. The, the one-year plan turned into the three-week plan because I, I was literally up all hours of the night just devout because God was real. God was real. His word was alive. His word was speaking. And this began this journey for me of a, of a genuine walk with God. And because of my experience, because of the freedom I experienced, I began to be passionate to see other people set free. I began to be passionate for other believers and other people uh, that didn't even know the Lord yet to experience the freedom that I had encountered when I, when I met the Lord this way. But the thing was, I knew nothing about deliverance, which we're going to get into here. Deliverance, which is freeing people from unclean spirits, casting out demons. I knew nothing about deliverance because it wasn't part of my church background. The church I'd grown up in um, you know, didn't believe in the supernatural things of the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in speaking in tongues. They didn't believe in healing, delivering, none of that stuff. So I had no grid for those types of things. No understanding of that. And I'm just devouring the Bible. And as I start to read the Gospels, you know, you don't have to read the Gospels very long to start bumping into these kind of stories where Jesus is casting out demons. We're going to read one in Mark 1 in a couple minutes. But I begin to read these stories. And I'm like, man, how come everywhere Jesus went, he cast demons out of people? How come everywhere Jesus went, he healed people? And he did you know, miracles and all these things. I'm like, I've never seen this in my life. You know, what, what is this? How come this? How come I'm not seeing these things? Is this, is this real? Is this still happening today? And so I didn't understand theological debates and just arguments. I didn't understand those things. I was just hungry for truth. I was hungry for reality. I wanted all that God had. And so I'm just seeking him. I'm pursuing him. And then the Lord began to call me into this area of deliverance. I'm an unlikely candidate. And the way he first started to speak to me about it was through a series of dreams. Now, I know God can speak through dreams. You know God can speak through dreams, right? Not, not every dream we have is from the Lord, but sometimes he'll, visit, he'll speak in a dream. It's very clear. There's a spiritual you know, ring to it. I remember this first dream that I had of this nature. I was at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Come on, how many people like to eat some food, get food around here? 
all-you-can-eat buffet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of hungry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some more food. And so I get up from my, from my table. I start walking to the buffet. And as I'm walking to the buffet, out of the corner of my eye, I see this man. And he has a, just a real evil like, look in his eyes. I could just, there's like this evil look in his eyes. And I'm like, okay, I just kind of notice it. And then I get my food. I sit down. But then that man starts walking toward me, toward my table. He's walking toward my table in the stream, and um, you know, I, I stood up, and instantly I knew he had an evil spirit. I just all of a sudden knew that there was a demon tormenting him, and at the same time that I knew that, I felt something. I felt this power welling up out of my gut. I felt just like this empowerment and this boldness well up out of me, and I looked at him, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of him right now. And all of a sudden, he started like heaving and something like left him. You could tell something was coming out of him. And his countenance changed. He was filled with joy. He comes over and he gives me a hug. He says, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then I woke up from the dream. Now, I was young in my walk. I didn't have any background in the prophetic. So I didn't know anything about dream interpretation. So I came up with my own interpretation. (laughs) Avoid all you can eat buffets. Don't go. Stay away. <laughs> now that's a joke, but the tr- here's the truth though. The actual truth is that I, I, I walked around my campus, I was in college still, I walked around the next week afraid, what if I see this person? I literally was like on alert, like high alert, like uh-oh, what if I meet this man in real life? What if I actually see this person? He is a demon. I can't cast out a demon. I mean, in my, in my head, I know, yeah, Jesus is all powerful. He has all the authority, right? But guess what? It showed me that that must have just been a theory to me, not, not a living reality, because I was actually afraid. I was freaked out. And so if you're a little bit kind of spooked about, oh, demon, why, why are we talking about demons and deliverance? You know, why, why do we have to talk about this? I, I, I totally get it. I had no grid for it. I was I was scared because I didn't understand the truth. I didn't understand what the Bible teaches on this. I didn't understand the authority that God has given us in Christ. And so God began to lead me through a series of events. I had some other dreams that were similar to this. And then I came across some good teaching and just really overcame some of the obstacles, misunderstandings, fear, confusion. And then God just thrust me into this ministry. And now, you know, uh, we've been doing it for over 17 years. And now, like, you know, Paul said, I travel different places and speak and do lead deliverance times and equippings. And I see God moving powerfully to set people free. God is going to set people free today. God is going to set people free today in this place. How do I know? Why? Because Jesus is the deliverer. I'm telling you, it's not because I'm here. It's because Jesus Christ is here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to set captives free. He's going to heal broken hearts. Look at Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in this for a little bit, starting at verse 21. I'm reading from the New King James. And it gives you a picture of Jesus the deliverer. And just, you know, before I even read this verse, just one more thing I want to say. We're talking about transformation. And what I have found over these years is that sometimes deliverance is like a missing link in a person's journey for transformation. Sometimes deliverance is like a missing link. See, there's different ways that we experience transformation. 
Sometimes it's through deep repentance, like I shared about. Sometimes it's like, um, you know, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It says in Romans 12. Sometimes it's because we encounter the love of God in a new way, right? There's different ways, inner healing. There's different ways that we receive transformation. But what I have found often is that deliverance, the casting out of unclean spirits, is often a missing link in many people's journey. And once that key is there, it unlocks their journey of freedom, of sanctification, transformation, their growth in the Lord. And so that's one of the reasons why I want to bring this here today. Mark 1, verse 21, it says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. This is speaking of Jesus toward the beginning of his ministry. He's just been released into his ministry. He's just starting to teach and uh, go to synagogues. Verse 22, it says, They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now notice that they, they saw something unique when they heard Jesus speaking, when they heard Jesus teaching. The word that they used was authority. They said, this, this, this guy's different. This rabbi's different than what we're used to. He's speaking with substance, with a weightiness, with an authority. It gripped their attention. It grabbed their hearts. There was something about what he was saying. It was backed with authority, different than what they were used to with the scribes. And then verse 23, it says, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. So what is the synagogue? The synagogue is essentially them going to church at that point in time. This is, this is the, the Jewish synagogue. They would go and they would learn, have teaching and there would be prayer and instruction and rabbis would, would share from scripture. It was basically their version of going to church. And so it says there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, right? So we, we know there's a spiritual realm. The Bible is very clear on this, that there's a natural world and there's a spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, we know there's angels. God sends angels on assignment. But we also know there's a kingdom of darkness. We also know that there are evil spirits. The Bible calls them unclean spirits, evil spirits, or demons. Um, and, and they're part of the kingdom of darkness. They work in, in Satan's kingdom to accomplish the devil's desires. And so it says that there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons knew who Jesus was before the people knew who Jesus was. The demons recognized him. They, they saw who he was, even before any person did. Then look how Jesus dealt with it. Verse 25, Jesus rebuked him, meaning the spirit, the unclean spirit, saying, be quiet and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority... They use that word again, authority. With authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Verse 28, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. To use a modern terminology, this is the moment that Jesus went viral. This is it. 
This is the moment that Jesus went viral. What caused the people to tell their friends? What caused the people to tell their family members? What caused the people to tell their neighbors? It was his authority to cast out evil spirits. I mean, you can just imagine the chatter after synagogue that day. They leave the synagogue. They're all talking about this incident. You know, can you believe what happened? We were there. There's this new rabbi, some guy named Jesus of Nazareth. And right, right in the middle of his sermon, you know, this demon started speaking out. But, but he, he wasn't afraid. He actually rebuked it. He actually told the demon to leave. And guess what? The demon actually obeyed him. You see, this was a culture that was very familiar with the reality of spirits. They knew that demons were real. It was part of their worldview. And even they had methods and techniques by, you know, by, while they tried to help people and, and obviously it wasn't very effective, right? Because when Jesus showed up, he rebuked the demon and, and the demon obeyed him. They were astonished. They're like, what is this? And they start sharing the word. They start spreading the word. So much so, later uh, in, the, in, the, in the verse, in verse 32, it says, at the evening, you know, whole crowds came. The whole city, the whole region gathered at the door. And many were set free. Many were healed. Many were delivered from demons. And then I love verse 39. It's a summary. It's a summary of the ministry of Jesus. It says, he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. He was preaching in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. So here we are in our Western mindset, in our Western culture, and we think casting out demons is like weird. We think it's like out there. We think it's crazy. And I understand sometimes deliverance has been done in such a way in the, in the modern time, you know, bizarre methods and uh, spectacle, and I get, so sometimes it's been done in a way that's not been the most healthy. I get that. But actual, actual casting out of demons um, is actually supposed to be normal, according to Jesus. It was as common for Jesus to cast out a demon as it was for him to preach a sermon. It was that normal. It was that regular. It was that much part of what he did. Part of his, it was central to his ministry. It was central to the gospel. It was front and center. Now, anytime I read this story, I always think about this guy in this story. We, we don't know much about him. In fact, we don't know anything really about his background. We don't know what was his background, what was his story, how did this demon get access to his life. We don't know those details. But one of the things I always wonder when I read this story is how long was he in that condition? Like how, how many weeks, how many months, how many years was he going to the synagogue week after week after week after week after month after year, not getting the help he truly needed? Not getting the help he needed. And then one day Jesus steps up into the pulpit. He steps up and for the first time, in this man's history, that demon that's been bothering him, afflicting him, oppressing him, starts to get nervous. Starts to get nervous. Starts to get agitated. Starts to get stirred up. So much so that it can't contain anymore. And all of a sudden, it starts yelling out. You see, I've seen this happen many times. When a demon is influencing a person, they're not always outwardly manifesting. 
They're not always running around screaming, falling on the floor. That's when a demon comes to the surface and is manifesting more openly. But typically, a person that that needs deliverance, it doesn't mean you're an evil person. It doesn't mean your whole life is possessed or owned or or controlled, but there's certain areas where unclean spirits have gotten a foothold. They've gotten an influence. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's bondage to a sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an oppression. There's various things. Maybe it's a physical affliction. But that man is sitting in the synagogue, listening to Jesus teach, and all of a sudden, for the first time, that demon starts to get stirred up. You see, the sad reality is that in many churches in the Western world, in America, demons are actually comfortable in the churches. The sad reality is that in many situations, it's like that man in the synagogue, he could come week after week after week after week after week and and just, and it's just there. That demon's just afflicting him, oppressing him tormenting him, putting thoughts in his mind, whatever it is. But when Jesus comes as the deliverer, something changes. When Jesus comes, when he steps into that place, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to move, when the power of God, I'm telling you, we're living in a generation where where deliverance is going to have to become normal again. We're living in a day right now where where the level of darkness around us, the level of perversion, the level of sin, the level of trauma, we we, as a church, we need to embrace the the ministry of deliverance. Not that we need to make everything out of it or get fully, you know, fix it, right? It's part of the equation. It's not the whole. It's not the only factor. But when deliverance is needed, when there's a demonic spirit present, present in a person's life, deliverance is what is needed. I'm going to run through just a couple, a couple basic you know, truths about demonic influence. Just a couple quick things. I'm going to share some testimonies, share some stories. Then we're going to have a time of ministry. We're going to have a time of corporate ministry for God to move and, and, and set people free. And let me just say this right now, because I mentioned earlier how you know, um, this man was sitting there, and all of a sudden, he probably started getting, a demon started getting agitated. Um, I've seen this happen pretty much almost everywhere I go. When, I, when I'm speaking on this topic, when I'm sharing People have told me that when you started talking about demons and, and deliverance and all this stuff, I start, something started going on inside of me. I started feeling things moving around in me. I started feeling, you know, the, these are what I would call inward manifestations. It's, it's demons starting to get nervous because they're being exposed. That's actually what's happening. And I, I just say that to say that if, if you're sitting here and you begin to feel some stuff, like, what's going on here? I feel like something's, people tell me they feel something swirling in their stomach. They feel something grip their throat. They feel a sudden pain. They begin to hear a voice in their head saying, you know, bombarding their mind with stuff. This happens all the time. And so I just want to let, let, if that's happening, I just want you to say, one, be at peace. Don't be afraid. It's actually a sign that you are about to be set free. That's exactly what's happening. So just a couple quick bullet points, a couple quick truths about the reality of demonic influence, okay? Some, some basic truth about demons and deliverance. Okay, number one, demonic influence is real. In other words, we can't pretend that demons don't exist. I think sometimes we get this idea that, well, I don't want to even think about demons. I would rather just focus all my attention on the good things. I, why can't we just focus all our attention on Jesus? Believe me. 
I wish that was the case. But until we get to heaven, that's not going to be the case. Because the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. It doesn't say ignore the devil and he'll flee. And, and, and while, yes, our primary focus definitely should be Jesus, demons should not be our primary focus. Jesus should be our main focus, growing in relationship, getting to know him, walking with him, obeying him, absolutely. But we cannot deny the reality that evil spirits are real. So demonic influence is real. Just like it was in the days of Jesus, so it's true right now. Number two, demonic influence is actually common not rare. In other words, I used to think that it would be an extremely rare situation to come across a person that needed deliverance from a demon. I used to think, I'll probably never see that in my life. Maybe if I went to the jungle somewhere, maybe if I went to a dark place in the world, right? You know, some place that, you know, where, where it's openly, you know, like Haiti, open voodoo and open, right? I used to think that, but I thought it, not because it's what the Bible shows us, but it's because I grew up going to church and never saw it. So I just assumed it must be, it must not be happening. But when I read the gospels, I... I come across these stories over and over and over and over again. And I see, like I said earlier in Mark 1.39, it was as common for Jesus to do this as it was for him to preach. He equipped his disciples to do it. He trained them. He sent them. He sent out a larger group of 70 others. And then he gave it to the whole church, Mark 16.17. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. So Jesus must have expected this to be going on. He must have expected this to be normal. And I found that it's actually pretty common for people to need deliverance. Now, not every situation is the same. There's a wide range of demonic influence. Uh, some, some cases are very mild. This person that we read about in Mark 1, he had one unclean spirit. Mary Magdalene, later in the Bible, it says she had seven, right? She was, she was delivered from seven demons. So her case was a little bit probably more severe. Then we go to a man in Mark chapter 5, where it says he had a legion of demons. That's like thousands, now, that kind of situation is rare. That's extreme. But people like the man in the synagogue, people like Mary Magdalene, it's all, all around us. And there's nothing to be ashamed of if you need deliverance. There's nothing to be embarrassed about if you need deliverance. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's, you don't have to have a stigma. You don't have to feel ashamed. This is just everyday life in ministry for Jesus. So it's actually common for people to need deliverance. Another basic truth about demonic influence is that there are certain things that can open the door for evil spirits to gain access to our lives. Demons can't just arbitrarily pick people one day. Oh, I'm going to go inside of that person. I'm going to go, right? I'm going to, no, there's usually some sort of access point. There's something that happened in a person's life. Sometimes it's our own choices. Sometimes we go down a sinful path of rebellion and we make choices outside of God's will. Sometimes people dabble in the occult or in witchcraft or new age practices and they end up you know, tapping into the wrong spirits, basically, opening the door for the wrong type of spirits. Sometimes people have unforgiveness in their heart and this bitterness and this rage, this unforgiveness, and the enemy takes advantage of that to bring torment into their mind or affliction even in their body. Sometimes it's actually not even the things that we have done, but stuff we experienced in life. Sometimes we go through trauma. We've been through traumatic situations. We've been through maybe abusive relationships. Any type of abuse can make us vulnerable to oppression coming over our life. Sometimes it's things that we see in our family history generationally coming through, right? So these are access points. These are open doors. 
to unclean spirits. A fourth, a fourth truth about demonic influence. This is the most controversial one. I actually got uninvited to speak somewhere because of this. Christians can have a demon. Christians can need deliverance from demons. In fact, deliverance is actually for believers or for people that are becoming believers. Why? Because it's part of what Jesus paid for on the cross. It's part of the reason he came. It's part of the redemption he brought. It's part of what he died for. It's actually part of our salvation. And I could go on. I, you know, I have other teachings on this. Um, you know, for time's sake, just to be really quick, I think there's a misunderstanding out there that says once a person gets saved, it's impossible for an unclean spirit to have a place in their life. And there's really no, there's really no biblical, there's really no like Bible verse you could point to. I mean, there's different things you could kind of maybe try to draw out. But, but the basic thing is, it's, well, you know, once you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, there's no way for an unclean spirit to be. And it sounds good. It seems to make sense. But it's based more on human logic than on biblical truth. And when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the temple, see, now, now we are the temple, right, as believers. Our body, it says, is a temple for the Holy Spirit. But I think we get this picture that a temple is like this little box, like this little one-room box. You know, God comes in, and there's nothing else there. But that's not what the temple was like in the Bible. The temple was a big, complex building. It had a holy of holies. That's where God's tangible presence was. It had an inner courts. It had an outer courts. It had many rooms, many chambers, many places. And even in the Old Testament temple, there was demon worship that happened. Some of the kings set up altars to false gods. They literally were worshiping demons in the temple of God. And so just because it's God's house doesn't automatically mean that there can't be anything evil there. Now, there shouldn't be demons there. They don't belong there. But I think we get this misunderstanding because we think it means a person is possessed. See, I'm not talking about a person being possessed. Having a demon is not the same as being possessed. I like to use the illustration of a house, and it fits really well with this conversation about transformation because in the in the scriptures we are we are referred to as a house it says in Matthew 12 I think it's verse 43 Jesus said when an unclean spirit goes out of a man he goes through dry places seeking rest when he finds none he says I will return to my house from which I came so I want you to notice that the demon the unclean spirit referred to the person as his house right so God also sees us as a house. He calls us a dwelling place, a temple. So in the spiritual world, we are like a walking, moving real estate. We are a walking, living, breathing property, a house. And there's a battle for ownership, right? But here's the thing. Imagine this. Anyone here like to buy houses or flip houses? Anyone? Like to, anyone? I see at least one of it. At least one guy. Okay. So imagine this. Imagine... Imagine there's a house that's about 30 years old and the first owner of the house did a very poor job of taking care of it. So it's in really bad shape. It's got leaky roof. It's got you know, dirt, you know, dirt over the floors. Um, it needs painted. It needs new piping. Just all, all kind of issues. You know, some of the rooms are filled with junk and just accumulated stuff in there. 
And, and, and then say, that, you know, this man here, what, what's your name? David, okay, so David likes to buy houses. David likes to flip houses. And so David sees this house and he says, man, this house has potential. I mean, I know it's not in the best shape right now, but man, I have a vision for what this house could be like if I could just get a hold of it. And so David talks to, so David puts the money down. He, he pays cash. He puts all the money down and he says, I'm gonna buy this house as is. I'm gonna buy it as is. I'm not gonna go through the whole process of inspections and all these things. I'm going to buy it as is. I'm going to put the money down. So then what happens? There's a transaction that happens. There's a change of ownership. David now has access to the house. David can go in and go in that house. But guess what? That house isn't fully transformed yet, is it? So now David starts to walk through each place, each area. He starts to clean out those cluttered rooms, all the junk, all the filth. He goes into one room, he, he, he you know, gets the, I don't know what he uses, what do you, I don't know, power wash or something, or bleach, or I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not good at those kind of things. What's that? Wheelbarrow. wheelbarrow, sure, he gets all the junk and puts in the wheelbarrow, right? But he goes in, he starts to move out all that junk. He starts to patch up the holes in the roof. He starts to put new carpet in, he does paint. And over the course of a year, over the course of two years, he's going from part to part in that house and he is changing it and he's transforming it. And a year later, two years later, you can look at that house and you're like, wow, is this the same house that was there three years ago? And let me tell you something, that's a picture of what God does with us. That's a picture of what God does with us. Because before we came to Jesus Christ in salvation, we belonged to somebody else. The Bible says that we were part of a kingdom of darkness, that, 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 that the devil had a, uh, a right to us. And that the word to be redeemed means to be purchased. And when God saves us, he purchases us as is. He doesn't say, you get everything cleaned up first. You fix the whole house first. You get rid of all the junk first. No, he, he only tells us that we have to turn to him in repentance and in faith in Jesus Christ. And there is a transaction that happens. We are purchased as is. And then what happens? We start to go through a process called transformation. Our mind starts to get renewed. The truth comes into our life and breaks us free from lies of the enemy. Repentance, we, we, we have different, deeper places of repentance. We encounter the love of God in our life. We start to walk in character and in holiness and all these things. It's a lifelong process of journey of becoming conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. But for many believers, part of that process of transformation is deliverance. Because things that had happened in our life, things we had done, things that happened to us, opened the door and there's some unwanted creatures in the house. And that's what deliverance is. It's getting rid of those areas. It's cleaning out those rooms. So it's for believers. It's for believers. It's the children's bread, right? Belongs to us. The last truth I'll mention, and I'll share a couple testimonies. The last truth I'll mention is that in Jesus Christ, all believers, we have authority over unclean spirits. You know the authority they talked about with Jesus that we read in Mark 1? They were astonished. Wow, how did he do that? With authority. 
his, Jesus' followers walked in the same authority. In fact, in Luke chapter uh, 10, when he sent out a larger group of 70 outside of the apostles, this wasn't, this wasn't even the apostles, this wasn't even the 12, it was a larger group. We don't even know their names. They're, they're out and they come back from this little mission trip, this short-term trip. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That is a picture of our authority in Christ. In the name of Jesus, unclean spirits are subject to me, to you, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? We don't need to be afraid of demons. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's a reality in this world. We don't need to be afraid, though. He's given us authority in the name of Jesus. You know, during worship today, as we were just worshiping and singing, and I was just, different testimonies were coming back to my mind of how deliverance was a key part of people's journey, part of their transformation. I was thinking about one, um, one woman who was battling depression. She was battling anxiety. She, she just was fighting this and, um, and she couldn't seem to get free from it. And she was starting to just grow. She was trying to grow in her relationship with God. She was trying to really dig deeper and find her identity in the Lord. And she would have this heaviness, this depression, this anxiety. It was just crazy. She'd been through some traumatic stuff and some losses in her life. And I think it might have, you know, kind of come in through that way. But she was battling these things and she couldn't seem to get full freedom. And one day her mom called her and her mom said, I was praying for you today, and God gave me a name to tell you, and that name is Jake Kale. Now, I, I don't know if the mom ever knew who I was. I don't know. I don't know if it was just, I'm not even sure, but this was her testimony. The, the, the mom said, you know, and so she looked up, I think she looked me up on Facebook, and she saw that I was speaking at a house of prayer in her area, like, that week. So she's like, all right, I'm coming. So her and her husband, they come to the meeting I never met her before. I know nothing about her story. I know none of the background. I, I found this out after the whole thing. And so during the corporate ministry time, which we're going to do in a few minutes, I was doing a corporate ministry time, leading the whole group of people through prayer of deliverance and freedom. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit highlights this woman to me. And I just point, I said, excuse me, man, what is your name? And I begin to speak over her and prophesy and break stuff off her life and call out all the stuff that she'd been going through. She's weeping, she's shaking, and she got instantly delivered from the battle with depression and anxiety. She got delivered from it that day. And she shared her testimony, and they, you know, the, the church that she goes to is connected with our church. And uh, you know, they did a video, and she shared a testimony of the freedom. You see, for her, the missing link was deliverance. That was the missing link for her. She was trying to grow. She was praying. She was in the word. She was trying to get closer to the Lord, but there was something, there was a demonic influence that was pressing on her, tormenting her. It doesn't mean she's an evil person. It doesn't mean she's bad. It just means that the enemy had gotten advantage of some things. I thought about another testimony during worship. I thought about a young man who had a very traumatic upbringing and you know what, I didn't, I, I didn't even hear this testimony until about a year and a half later because often I minister deliverance in large groups and I don't even know all, everything that happens. And so sometimes it'll be a year later, someone will say, hey, I was at this meeting, here's what happened. This is what happened. This, the, he came up to me, I saw him at a different meeting and about a year and a half later, he said, Jake, I gotta tell you what happened when you prayed at you know, such and such place. 
So he, very traumatic upbringing. He grew up in the foster care system, had many different you know, foster parents. He was abused. He got exposed to pornography. He was being drawn into perversion, and he had like a same-sex attraction and pornography addiction and all these things that were going on. Um, and then at, um, at some point, he had you know, become a believer, but he still was wrestling with all these battles and the trauma and the uh, sexual stuff and just all these things was, he was battling with, he was wrestling with. And somehow he ended up in one of my deliverance meetings. I don't think he even believed in deliverance. But he ended up in the deliverance meeting. And he sat through, you know, the first couple hours was all day like seminar. And he's, he's starting to feel what I described. He's starting to feel things moving around. He's starting to feel, I got to get out of here. I'm feeling uncomfortable. What's going on here? But he, he, he powers through. He goes to lunch. He stay, comes back. And then during the ministry session, during that time of ministry, I began to pray and I began to lead people through. And then I began to call out and begin to command demons to leave the people, come out of the people. He said, here's how he described it. He said it was like there was a bucket and in the bottom of the bucket, there was all these ping pong balls. And he said, as you begin to pray and command things to leave, it was like this water just began to pour in and all these things began to come to the surface and they began to come out of him. They began to leave him one by one by one. And he was delivered. He was set free from the trauma, from the perversion, from the addiction to pornography. He was delivered from it that day. He was set free. He's involved in his church. He's helping to lead his young adult ministry. He just got married um, this past year. Uh, it's just incredible to see. Incredible to see what God can do in one moment. I thought about a story that um, of a young lady. She's actually now part of our ministry team. She goes and ministers with, uh, with me and others on our team. Um, but several years ago, she was actually being tormented by a spirit of death. And I actually find this to be more common. Um, this past couple of years, I've seen a lot of people delivered from a spirit of suicide and a spirit of death. These are demonic spirits. And what is the spirit of death? It's something that, that basically gets a person fixated and tormented about death. And sometimes it's an intense fear or this belief that I'm, I'm about to die. I'm, I'm going to die any moment. Or, I'm gonna, or it's about somebody else. And in her case, it was related to her husband. She was convinced her husband was going to die any day. Like, every, like, it started small. I mean, she'd gone through, there was a couple of traumatic things that happened related to death, like the year prior to that. And it kind of opened a door for this. And it started with these small thoughts and these things. It got to the point, and she, she shares her testimony openly. She shared it multiple times um, in, in my meetings. But she would say, she said, I was planning his funeral. She said, I would hear a song on the radio. And I think, oh, that'd be a really good song for, you know, for his funeral. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll make a record of that. And it was just, there was this torment of death, this tormenting thoughts gripping her mind. She's a solid, she's a solid believer. She loves the Lord. But this area of her life was coming under torment and it was getting worse and worse. And so she comes to one of my deliverance meetings and she actually came because she was bringing a friend. So she didn't even come for her own deliverance. Because she knew I was going to be doing a teaching on um, trauma and abuse and how that can, you know, deliverance from the effects of abuse and trauma. And so she had a friend who had gone through a horrible, you know, relationship and she brings the friend with her. And so during the corporate, and I'm, I'm sharing all these stories that happened in a corporate ministry time because that's what we're going to do in a minute. So I'm, I want you to see examples from, from today. During the corporate ministry time, after I lead the congregation through prayer and we're, we're praying and I start to 
call stuff out just as the Holy Spirit's leading me. And all of a sudden I said, I command the spirit of death and the spirit of the fear of death, I command you come out right now. And I, I happened to see her in this moment and it looked like she'd been punched in the gut. All of a sudden she like bent forward like this and couldn't like, couldn't straighten herself up. And so I, I, I knew her name because she actually attends our church. So I, I called her by name. I said, you're gonna get delivered from the spirit of death today. Um, and she, once things were winding down, she came to the front and I prayed over her and I broke off the, the past stuff and the trauma. And, and she was, again, instantly delivered, transformed from the crippling, tormenting fear of death that was over her life, over her mind. She got delivered in that moment. We could, I mean, I could literally go on and on and on, story after story after story, addictions, sexual sins, oppressions, torment, physical sicknesses. We'd go on and on, but I think God wants to do some stuff right now. I want you to stand to your feet. We're gonna begin to go into a time of ministry. I'm not sure if we could have like a keyboard or some, just a little bit of background music. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk through a, an abbreviated version of a prayer for deliverance. There's a lot of different things we could pray through, but I'm gonna keep it fairly basic. But the Bible says this, James 4, verse seven. It says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's essentially what a prayer of deliverance is. That's essentially what a prayer of deliverance is. The first part of it is we are submitting our lives to God. That means we're closing those doors. That means if I've been walking in sin, if there's an area of sin in my life that I need to come into the light, I need to repent of, I need to get right with God, I'm, I'm submitting to God, I'm coming into the light. That means if there's a person I've been holding unforgiveness against, I've been holding anger, hatred, bitterness towards, maybe because something they did to me, and it doesn't mean it's okay what they did. It doesn't mean it's okay for a person to abuse you. But that bitterness, that unforgiveness gets inside of us. And Jesus says, release, forgive, because I have forgiven you. That's submitting ourselves to God. If we, if we ever were involved in practices we should have never gotten involved in, we dabbled in you know, getting our fortune told or looking at the horoscopes or looking at witchcraft or playing with the Ouija board or taking on new age practices, right? We renounce it. We cut it. We say, I renounce this. I break its power from my life. See, that's submitting ourselves to God. And then the second part, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. That means we use the authority Jesus has given us. We command any unclean spirit that might have any influence in our life, we command it to go in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, people in this place are gonna get set free today this morning. There's people that are gonna get set free from things that you've been carrying, that you thought was just part of you. You thought it was just who you were. God's gonna break through. God's gonna set you free. If you're watching this online, if you're watching a live stream or a video, I want you to pray along. I have so many testimonies of people that got delivered on a live stream. If you're watching this, please pray along. Yield yourself to God. I'm just gonna open in prayer and then, and then I'm gonna lead us all through. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, I thank you for this group of people, Lord, that's thirsting for you, desires to know you more. God, I 
I ask right now, let the power of the Holy Spirit fall in this place. Let the power of the Holy Spirit move through this place. I declare that the kingdom of God is at hand in this place in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to walk through this room as the deliverer. I ask you to walk through this room as the healer. Lord, make yourself tangible this morning in a powerful way. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon us in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you to send your holy angels, Lord, in this place to minister according to your word. I ask you to break the chains. I ask you to set people free today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, I want everyone just to really focus your attention on the Lord. And I'm gonna lead us. I'm gonna walk us through this prayer. I want everybody to pray along. We're gonna start really basic and then we're gonna just do a couple quick doors and then we're gonna go further. But I want you just to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want everybody to pray this. I want you to pray with faith, with authority. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I come into your holy presence by the precious blood of Jesus. I worship and honor you as the one true living God. And I submit to Jesus Christ as my Lord. I thank you that you love me with perfect love. And I thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven and I could be delivered from the kingdom of darkness. So I ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon me to minister healing and deliverance to me in the name of Jesus. I submit my life to you, God. I want every area of my life to agree with you and with your word. Now we're gonna walk through two areas. One is gonna be repentance. Any areas where we need to repent of sin, we need to come into the light of sinful things that we've been walking in. It could be sexual sin, it could be with our words, lying, it could be all all types of things. But I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. We're gonna walk through that first. So pray this after me and and then I'll give you space to make it personal, okay? Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I come into your light. I confess my sin to you to receive your forgiveness, to receive your cleansing. I turn away from all sin. I desire to live a holy life that is pleasing to you. Specifically, I confess. Now I'm gonna give you just one or two minutes in your own words, just between you and God. Whatever you need to just get right with God, things you might need to confess, areas of sin that you need to come into the light. Just take the next minute or two and just speak them out and just pray between you and God.
seconds. Let the Holy Spirit, if he, if he puts his finger on something, if he convicts or just brings something back to your mind, just bring it to him, not for condemnation, but for forgiveness, for cleansing, turning it to him. This next step is gonna be really important for, for some people here and some of those that are watching because we're gonna now, as we are receiving forgiveness, we're gonna forgive others that have hurt us or sinned against us. And again, it doesn't mean it was okay what they did. It doesn't minimize it. or mean, you just have to stuff it and pretend like it didn't happen. And it doesn't mean you have to allow yourself to be abused or hurt but between you and God, you are releasing that person or those people. You're saying, I choose to forgive. So I'm gonna walk you through that. And I believe even for some people, even as you do that, things are gonna start lifting off of you. Torments are gonna start lifting off your life. God's gonna heal broken hearts. God's gonna bring healing from trauma, from things that have happened in your past. Yeah, Jesus, would you just walk through this place? Would you bring healing in those areas right now? I want you to pray this out. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that because of your blood, I have been forgiven. And because you have forgiven me, I choose to freely forgive every person who has ever hurt me or sinned against me in any way. I lay down all bitterness. I lay down all hatred. I lay down all unforgiveness, all unrighteous anger, and I choose to forgive. Specifically, I forgive. Now I'm gonna give you a minute or two and I want you to be specific and I want you to speak out the names of people you need to forgive. Not for the whole world to hear, but just loud enough that you can verbalize it. Just say, Jesus, I choose to forgive. And I want you to speak those names out, okay? I'm gonna give you a minute to do that now. it to the Lord. Release the people, release the situations, release the circumstances. Just speak it out. Jesus, I choose to forgive and release that person. You name that person. Thank you, Father. God, even right now, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to minister to the hearts, God, of those that have been hurt, sinned against, abused, betrayed in any way. God, let the Holy Spirit release healing balm right now into the hearts of each of them right now. Let's pray, Lord, right now. Let the Holy Spirit pour into their hearts the love of God to be poured into their hearts. God, ask for the healing anointing of the Spirit of God to begin to minister to their soul. I thank you, Jesus. You said you came to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. So I ask, Lord, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that every area of brokenness in the heart 
would be made whole right now. Be made whole right now. Be restored in Jesus' name. Let the power of your spirit, Lord, touch the heart. Restore the mind. Restore the soul. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so we've been in this journey. We've been now we've been submitting ourselves to God. We've been coming into agreement with Him. Again, we just walked through a couple things. There's a lot more we could do, but um, now we're gonna resist the devil together. We're gonna stand in agreement and the authority Jesus has given us. We're gonna tell if there's any unclean spirit that's been bothering us, influencing us in any way, we're gonna command it to come out of our lives in Jesus' name. All right? So I want you to pray this out with me with faith, with authority. All right, just begin to speak this out. Say, I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And by the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to every unclean spirit that has any influence in my life. I command you to come out now. Go in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to lift your hands up for a minute while I begin to pray over you. Father, right now I've released the power of the Holy Spirit to fall, God, upon every person in this room, every person watching this video. I release, God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke upon every person in this place. Satan, I bind your influence now in Jesus' name. I take authority over every unclean spirit. Come out now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every demon. I say, leave them now. Out, out, out. I command you to go from their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, come out now in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, I command you to leave their lives. Go from them. Every spirit of anxiety, come out, come out, come out in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit of depression. Spirit of depression, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of heaviness, come out now. Leave them, off of them now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of depression, go, go out in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of oppression, come out now in Jesus' name. Every spirit that oppresses, I command you, leave them now, out from them now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to go from their lives. In the name of Jesus. Now we're gonna stay in this mode for a few minutes. Just, so if you need to put your hands down, but just keep your eyes on the Lord. Just, I'm gonna keep calling some things out. Thank you, Father. Jesus, I ask you to walk through this place. Touch your people. Minister to your people, Lord. Release your freedom. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I rebuke the spirit of rejection. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of rejection. Come out now in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of rejection, come out in the name of Jesus. Leave them now. Leave them now. Go from their lives in Jesus' name. Every spirit of abandonment, rejection, come out in Jesus' name. I command the spirit of trauma, come out. Every spirit of trauma, come out in Jesus' name. Every spirit attached to abuse, trauma, go now. Go now now, out now, out now. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. Leave their lives. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of suicide. Spirit of suicide, come out now. Leave. I command you to go from their lives. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of death. Spirit of death, come out in Jesus' name. Spirit of death, come out, leave, out from them. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to go from their thoughts, go from their minds. Spirit of torment, come out in Jesus' name. Every spirit that brings torment, 
I command you to go. Every spirit that brings intrusive thoughts and images, out now, out now, out now, go in the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to leave. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you walk through this place, that you move, release your manifest presence, Father. Touch your people. I command the spirit of addiction, come out. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke the spirit of addiction. Spirit of addiction, I break your power. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. I break that generational curse of addiction in your family line. I release you from it now. Come out, come out, come out in Jesus' name. I I break the addiction to alcohol, alcoholism. Come out, come out in Jesus' name. Every addiction to substances, come out in the name of Jesus. I break the spirit of addiction to pornography. Come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke every unclean spirit connected to pornography, sexual sin. Come out, come out, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you lead, would you move? Thank you, Father. Lift off all oppression, all heaviness. Minister, Lord, your love, your presence, your joy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I break the power of every unclean spirit connected to the occult, to new age, to witchcraft, in the name of Jesus Christ. I command every spirit connected to the occult, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I break the spirit of witchcraft. I command it to come out now, out now, out now, in the name of Jesus. Every spirit connected to divination or new age, come out, come out, come out, go in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I break the spirit of anger. I command the spirit of anger to come out, come out in Jesus' name. Spirit of anger, come out, go in the name of Jesus. I command you to go. Jesus, I ask you to stretch out your hand to heal people physically even, Lord, right now. God, where there's a need for physical healing, let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to come upon the body to restore, to heal, In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. Spirit of infirmity, come out now in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of infirmity, leave them now out in Jesus' name. I rebuke every spirit of pain, sickness, infirmity. Come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak healing over the body right now. I speak healing right now over joints. I command the joints to be made whole, to be restored in Jesus' name. I command the digestive system to be healed right now, to be healed right now. Jesus, would you touch people in their stomach right now, their digestive system, be healed, be healed, be delivered right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I break the power of word curses spoken over your life. 
I break the power of demonic curses, of word curses, of verbal abuse, of false accusations. I break the power of word curses right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I uproot them from your soul. I uproot the influence of every destructive word, of every label, of everything that was placed upon you by others. I break it in the name of Jesus Christ. I uproot it from you. I command every lying spirit to come out, come out, come out. Every lying spirit attached to a word curse or a label, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I command it to go in Jesus' name. Out, 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 out. It's leaving you right now, leaving you right now. Go, lift off. It's leaving now in Jesus' name. I break the power of those word curses, those destructive words. I pray cleansing, Lord, by the blood of Jesus from their effect. I pray a washing by the Holy Spirit to wash over the soul. Wash over the soul. Cleanse, Lord. Wash over the soul in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are here, you are moving. Thank you for your peace in this room, Lord, your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just pause and just kind of check in with everybody. You guys are doing great. You guys are doing amazing out there. How many people have felt something leave them. Like raise your hand if you felt something leaving you. Put your hands up real high and just wave them around because we want to celebrate with you. There's a lot of hands up in the room right now. Can we, just, can we just give Jesus praise for that? That was a lot of hands all across this room. And I want you to notice how peaceful this is. This doesn't have to be crazy and chaotic. Now, I'm not saying there's not ever manifestations and there's definitely things that can happen, but... The bottom line is God is in charge, Satan is defeated, and Jesus is Lord. And so we put the attention on the Lord when we do these things. We don't want to make a spectacle or try to make it, you know, into something, you know, right? If things happen, yes. I mean, again, I've seen the different things, but all those hands that just went up in this room, and it was just the Prince of Peace is here. Jesus is here. He's the one healing. He's the one restoring. I'm just going to minister for just a minute or two more and then pass it on to Paul and then if people need to come to the front I'm not sure if it's okay if we have people have an altar time and people get more ministry but yeah I just want, to, just want to minister for just a minute or two more I really believe that God wants to heal I know we've already kind of prayed about this a little bit but Isaiah 61 it says this it says that Jesus was sent to heal the broken hearted and that word broken hearted it literally means shattered soul and when, when we've gone through situations or we've been hurt or abused or gone through severe trauma, our soul actually gets broken. And it says that Jesus came to bind up the broken heart. That means he came to put back together the broken pieces of a soul, your soul. And I believe he's gonna do that supernatural right now for some people in this room. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I release the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon the soul that has been broken, to come upon the mind and the emotions, the identity that has been shattered because of abuse, because of trauma, because of circumstances. I pray right now the power of the Holy Spirit to come into those areas. Supernaturally, Lord, you would do a work in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I speak to that soul that was broken. I say, be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. Be restored in Jesus' name. And I command every unclean spirit that came through that trauma, through that abuse, I command you to come out now, out now, out now in the name of Jesus Christ. It's leaving your life. That spirit of confusion is coming out now, out now, out now. Spirit of confusion, come out in Jesus' name. I command any spirit that came through sexual abuse. I command any unclean spirit that came because of sexual abuse that happened in your past. I command it to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. It's leaving you right now. It's coming out of your life right now. Right now. It's coming out right now. It's leaving you right now. There is no shame. I break the spirit of shame. I command that spirit of shame. Come out in the name of Jesus Christ. It's leaving your life right now. I rebuke that spirit of shame. I command it to go. I rebuke that spirit of perversion. I command it to go. It's leaving right now. It's leaving right now. That spirit of fear that came in and that traumatic incident. It's coming out right now. It's coming out right now. In the name of Jesus, he makes you whole. He restores to you double honor instead of shame. In the name of Jesus, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Torment's leaving you right now, leaving you right now, out right now. It's leaving those voices, those reminders. I command every spirit that is attacking people in their dreams. Come out in Jesus' name. Every spirit that's attacking people in their dreams, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. It's leaving you right now. It's coming out in Jesus' name. Every spirit that's bringing up the memories to try to remind you of what happened, I command it to come out. That tormenting spirit's leaving right now. It's coming out in the name of Jesus Christ right now. Go right now. Out, out, out. Thank you, Father. You're healing the broken heart. You're restoring the soul. You're releasing people, God, from the effects of those past situations to move forward. I thank you, Jesus. Continue the work. Continue to move. Thank you, Father. Now, just before we kind of wrap up, I just want to pray a prayer that God would fill us. I mean, we're going to make, more, we're going to make room for more prayer at the front, but before we dismiss, I just want to make sure we pray for not things just to leave, but for God to fill us with his spirit afresh. Yeah, because God, God, God doesn't want to just remove something. He wants to replace it. Oil of joy instead of mourning. Garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Double honor instead of shame. There's a replacement. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit afresh. So put your hand on your heart. I want you to pray this out. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that by your blood I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been delivered and that I belong to you. I am a temple for the Holy Spirit. I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me afresh. Let every area of my life be filled with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Now just receive for a minute while I pray. Father, let your Holy Spirit come and fill every person in this room every person watching this. God, I pray that every room in the house, God, will be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God right now. I say, come, Holy Spirit, 
and fill your people. God, let every area that used to be under a demonic influence be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. God, let them be filled with your truth. Let them be filled with your love. Let them be filled with your joy. Let them be filled with peace to guard their heart and mind. Let them be filled with the spirit of holiness, God. Your grace, Lord, to fill their lives, to empower them, Lord, to walk with you, to be established in freedom. I bless your people, God. I bless your people. I bless your people, God. Let the Holy Spirit come upon each one in a fresh way. Fill their hearts. Fill their lives. I speak your blessing over them, your grace over them, your truth, your freedom. Because of what you've done, Jesus, you are the deliverer. And we give you all the glory. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Can we just give Jesus praise? Can we just give him glory? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if, um, as we dismiss, I want to make time for anyone that wants to get more prayer and receive more prayer. Maybe you're, maybe you feel like something was going on, but it didn't fully get resolved. It was another area you want someone to pray with you on. So if there's you know, anybody on the staff or pastoral team, or if there's a prayer ministry team, or healing in the shoulder is a word of knowledge for that too. So for, if that's for anybody as well. Um, yeah, so as we, I'm going to pass it to Paul to kind of dismiss, but um, if there's anybody on the pastoral team or ministry team that could just come to the front and just be ready. And then as we dismiss, if there's anybody that wants to receive more prayer and just have somebody stand with you, minister to you, we will uh, make sure we do that. We'll just continue to pray and see God's people fully delivered and set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. You're so good, God. Man, so powerful. Well, we have amazing prayer ministers up here. Please come forward. If you just want someone to walk with you through prayer just for anything, we want to pray with you. Other than that, bless you guys. I hope you have an amazing week. May his peace, his joy, his love just be with you all throughout the week. Uh, Jake and his wife um, need to be back at the airport by one, so I'm going to have to start getting them there. But um, bless you guys. Uh, he won't be able to chat with you or anything like that, but I am going to have him come back sometime in the future. Um, and uh, he has, uh, if you ever want to get in touch with him, jakekaleministries.com, jakekale.com, K-A-I-L, jakekale.com. You can message him, look him up. Bless you guys. We'll see you later.